Well, hey, Central family, I'm so honored to be able to introduce to you today's uh, speakers, Frank and Jan Shatner. And, and I realize many of you may not know them, but they are incredible missionaries that we support, you support through your faithful giving right here at Central. Uh, Frank and Jan Shatner are missionaries to Asia. Uh, they live in Chiang Mai, Thailand, as well as right here in the States. And they kind of bounce back and forth. And, and when they're in the States, Frank teaches missionary classes at William Jessup University. Uh, Jan and Frank were both married. Uh, obviously, they're both married here. They were married to each other uh, right here at Central Christian Church. Jan's dad, uh, Bryce Jessup, was one of the previous pastors here and president of William Jessup University. And her grandpa, William Jessup, actually started Central Christian Church. These are spiritual giants that I know you're going to be blessed to hear from them. They have a great word for us as we kick off week two of our series, Bucket List. And they're going to talk to us about how we can live with godly perspective in our daily life. Check this out. Good morning. I'm sure we've probably all been introduced already, but we're Frank and Jan Shatner, and it's so fun to be with you this morning. Wish we could be with you in person, but we look forward to the day when we can do that. Um, I grew up at Central Christian Church from about junior high school on, and so um, that has been our church. We were there with my husband, too, until about 1988 when we left for Thailand. Central was our biggest supporters. They were our sending church, our home church, and we still consider you that. And so we are just so thrilled that we've had this connection through the years. You guys have loved us. You've supported us. You've sent letters and prayers and even Christmas presents. Every year you sent us Christmas presents to Thailand. Frank had a great idea one day, uh, one Christmas, that he wanted marinated artichoke hearts for Christmas. I don't know what he was thinking and I don't know what you were thinking because you actually did it. You bought us this big glass jar of marinated artichoke hearts and they did not survive the journey so good. So. All of our Christmas presents that year smelled like marinated artichoke hearts, but we felt loved and you've been so good to us through the years. My dad was the preacher there for many years. That's why I was there, Bryce Jessup. So you, many of you may remember him. So our topic today is living with perspective. I'll just share a few little points with you, but my first point is it's not our problem. I don't know if you know Bill Bright. He was the founder of Campus Crusade. Well, a bunch of news guys surrounded him one day and just said, you know, Bill, what's your biggest problem? What's kind of the thing on your front burner that you're dealing with? And he said, you know, I don't really have any problems. Well, come on, you know, what's like the major thing in ministry or in your personal life? What is just kind of a big problem that you're having to deal with right now? You know, I really don't have any problems. Well, they pressed him enough where he finally said, you know what, I am the bond servant of the Lord Most High. He is the one that I do his bidding. They're all his problems. He tells me what to do. He gives me my marching orders. And I am here just to be faithful to him and to his agenda. And I do not have any problems. Can you imagine if we all had that perspective, how freeing that would be? If we had financial issues, they're his problem. If we have wayward children, they're his problem. If we have health issues, it's his. Now we do all we can do in the natural while we live on this earth to work through these problems, but ultimately they are his, 
his problem. Uh, many of you know I lost my dad about seven weeks ago, and um, he lived by this perspective too, that it's God's, it's God's problem. When they were going to um, move the campus San Jose Christian College up to Rockland, and as he, as he was spearheading this, uh, they tried to get the, um, the venue in Morgan Hill, and then they finally found a great property up in Rockland. He did not lose, I think, one night's sleep. Now, maybe it's because he knew everybody around him was sleepless nights and worrying, but he did not lose a night's sleep because he knew if this was God's way, if this was God's agenda, if this was God's move, he was the one that would bring it to fulfillment. He did not have to lose any sleep over it. He knew it was God's problem. Um, my second point would be get my mind off the problem and onto the solution, which is him. Colossians 3, 1 to 2 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. There have been many times through our career in Thailand that I had to recalibrate my perspective. And one thing that just kind of popped up about seven years ago was claustrophobia, out of the blue. It just kind of reared its ugly head on a flight when I was going back to Florida to pick up Frank's mom, to bring her out to live with us for a week and to get them moved out here to the west. I was walking down the aisle of that airplane and I had the very last seat in the corner right next to the window. As soon as I sat down, this feeling of the walls closing in came around me and my heart was beating fast and I couldn't catch my breath for five hours. I sat on that plane with that feeling. And I remember thinking, Lord, what am I gonna do? Missionary life, we have to be on airplanes all the time. I can't live like this. And so I had to go into an offensive mode. How am I gonna set my mind and heart on things above and not on these things below that are gonna really interrupt what God has called us to do? So I had to crank up the praise music and just to allow God's truth to flood my mind. I had to start quoting scripture out loud just to let the enemy know that I am trusting in Jesus with this problem. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He did not give me a spirit of fear, but of sound mind and good judgment. He will keep at perfect peace all those minds who are stayed on him. In his presence is fullness of joy. I had to quote truth over and over again to allow my perspective to be one that is on above things. <laughs> and I got people praying for me. You know, every time I was with people, can you pray for my claustrophobia? And God began to answer those prayers. Um, I, get, I did thankful prayers. When I would be at the gate waiting to get on an airplane, I would start, the anxiety would start to rise up. I'd have to pace around and just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to even get on an airplane, to go around the world to serve you. Thank you that I know you're good. I know you will see me through. Just prayers of thankfulness to shift my perspective, to be able to think on things above and not on things that are happening right now. You know, Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat when he was leading the army, he said, Lord, we don't know what to do but our eyes are on you. That's the perspective we want. 
And my last point is, can we see the Lord high and lifted up? In Isaiah 6, um, Isaiah said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. You know, 2020 has been a bit of a crummy year with COVID and fires and uncertainty and fear, losing my dad. It's been just a year that has been not so fun, <laughs> but I think we can declare by faith, I see the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe fills the temple. Sometimes we need to do it by faith because our heart and our mind has not quite gotten there yet, but as we declare by faith, God begins to shift our perspective because he wants us to see he wants us to he wants to reveal himself to us but we need to declare by faith I see the Lord in this year of uncertainty in this year of crud I see the Lord high and lifted up you know dad's cup was always half full now some of you I know that's not your experience your cup may be half empty but you can still change your perspective by saying I see the Lord in the midst of it all. I see him high and lifted up. You know, on dad's last day on this earth, he hiked to the high Sierras eight miles and to about 8,000 feet. When he got there, my brother Jim set up his tent. He went and took a little nap that always rejuvenated him. He would stick his boot out the tent flap and tent flap and say to a buddy, you know, can you take my boots off and take off my socks and, and you know, pampering him. And they would even be joking like, your highness, what else can we do for you? Well, after his little nap, he gets up and he um, was smiling from ear to ear, Jim said, as he walked away from camp. You know, he used to joke all the time, I hope I die up in the high Sierras. And if I do, just roll me in the lake. He would have been perfectly happy just to be rolled in the lake. He used to tell me from time to time that he loved being up there just worshiping, talking to God, praying for mom. And I can just imagine he was up there and he was worshiping. And in a split second, he went from worshiping at the beautiful Sierras to seeing Jesus face to face. And you know, dad lived like Paul wrote, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He lived with that perspective. We have our little twins living with us right now with their mommy and daddy as they um, are looking for a house. And the day after the memorial service, Jackson, one of the little two-year-old twins, came in and plopped up on my bed as I was still laying there. And he started to sing, it is well, it is well with my soul. He couldn't have known that that was dad's favorite song, one of his favorite songs. And he couldn't have known that him and mom had just sung that a few months earlier in the car, even after her stroke and before COVID hit, that they had sung that together. But that is the perspective that we want that it is well with my soul, no matter what is happening, living with that perspective, that it is well with my soul. Thank you. I think you all would agree with me that I married a winner. Those Jessup, they just got in their DNA as they share the word of God. Before I get into the message, I just want to reiterate uh, what uh, Jen was saying, 
that our partnership with Central over these many years has been such a, such a joy. And we have many friends from Central and we thank you for your continued love and support for the work that God has called us to do in Asia and now around the world. If you ever heard, ever heard me speak before, you know I often like to quote a verse. It's in the message version. Actually, Jan just read it, but let me just quote the message, uh, the message version of Colossians uh, 3.1. It says, so it, it says this, So if you are serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground. Absorb with the thing right in front of you. Look up and see what's going on around Christ because that is where the action is. Now, I think you would all agree that this, this scripture really highlights the whole, uh, the whole uh, theme that we're talking about today is living with perspective. And I think the Apostle Paul, uh, through the Holy Spirit, was talking uh, about the experiences that we have every day. The affairs of daily living, having wives, husbands, children, making a living, paying the mortgage, all of these things cause us to put our head down, being absorbed or overly absorbed with the things right in front of us. But God encourages us through his word in many, many passages that we need to lift our eyes up and keep ourselves focused on what God is doing. God is the God of the big picture. And he is inviting us to join him in this great, this great work that he's doing around the world in our circles. We call that his mission. And it is a particular and special joy to join God in working among people who have never heard the gospel before. Now, as I was preparing for the message today, I thought it'd be interesting to just look up the dictionary, the definition of what perspective is. And this is what it said, and I thought it was very helpful. It says, a particular attitude toward or way of regarding something, a point of view. Goes on to say, a true understanding of the relative importance of things, a sense of proportion. Now, there are three words in here that I think are particularly helpful as we consider the question of living with perspective. And those three words are, attitude, understanding, and proportion. And I think if we understand these three, these three words, it'll help us more, particularly as we look at the Word of God, to live with a sense of perspective. So let's, uh, let's look at the first uh, word here, and that's proportion, okay? When, when, when I was thinking about proportion, I couldn't help but think of the, uh, the scripture in Hebrews uh, chapter 2, where it says this, and ask the question, a very relevant question that not only us as Christians are asking, but if we look at the world around us, everybody is asking this basic simple question. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with honor and glory and put everything under his feet. Well, I'm not going to take a deep dive, deep dive into this question, this particular scripture, but I want to uh, think a little bit more, a little more deeply about this question. What is man that you are mindful of him? And I brought a little illustration today that I think, uh, that I hope you find helpful. This rope 
represents eternity past. God spoke the world into existence, but he existed before the world began. I love the way the Bible starts in Genesis, aptly named Genesis, the beginning. And right there in Genesis chapter one, verse one, we have this, this, this the opening phrase, God in the beginning. God is the star of the show. He is the center of the universe, and he is the center of our lives if we are true followers of Jesus Christ. And there is eternity past. Eternity is a long time, a long time, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. Finally, we come to our lives. That is our life. That is the period. Probably doesn't even, the, this, this little uh, red ribbon I, here is probably represents too much of a time that we live and exist on this earth. But what I want you to do is get a sense of perspective. Our life, in terms of God's time, in terms of eternity, is very small. It's barely even a blip on, the, on eternity. But God has given us life. We're made in his image. We're born onto this earth for a purpose. And God is asking us and in, inviting us to join him in his story. Now, we all have our own personal stories, don't we? But God has a grand story. And what gives our life meaning is to join our story, to submit our life to him and join our story with God's story. And that gives purpose and perspective to everything we do. And the choices that we make in this small period of time will affect our eternity forever. But more importantly, it will affect the eternity of all those people around us. And then when we join our lives with God, then our story becomes God's story. And for eternity future, our lives are eternally entwined with the purposes of God and the life of God. Now that is perspective if you want to ask me. The choices that we make totally affect our eternity. And we often use the word in churches, we use the word repent. And you know, that's maybe a, bit of a, a little bit of a churchy word, but it's a common word that was used for many years, talking about many issues of life, not just religious matters. And it basically says, turn around. That's all it means. It's you're going down this one path and you say, hey, look, this is not the life I wanna live. I wanna join my life with God. And we do a 180 and we agree with God and we join him in his mission and in his life. You know, Jen made a little few comments about Bryce and I want to do the same thing. I remember when Bryce was first moved to the, to the college there, to the university, new campus there in Rockland. And I asked him, you know, how are you dealing with a lot of these pressures? And he says, no problem. Uh, and I, I pressed him a little bit and he says, and he taught me a lesson that I have remembered to this very day because it is an important part, it's become part of my own DNA. He said this, you know, Frank, God brought us through a lot of things. And you know, Bryce being born in, with, in the Jessup family, his father started in the college, he had a long-term perspective on this whole process. And he says, you know, miracle after miracle, God brought us to this place. And if God brought us to his, this place, I expect him to continue to lead us on. Now that is a great perspective. Now another word that I want us to consider is this word, understanding. Now. I know it's not very popular, but everybody seems to be thrown out, particularly here in the United States, that all ideas 
have equal value. All ideas are basically the same. But if we look around, we see that ideas have very serious, serious consequences. Some good, some positive, some ne negative. But I want us to understand that the understanding, creating an understanding, developing a higher God consciousness, you could say, can have a, pay off huge dividends in our lives. We are created in the image of God. God has given us an intellect. He expects us to use it to the glory of God. Recently, I've been working on a special curriculum to train the many people around the world. And I did a lot of research and I came across a number of Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, 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 sermons or, or speeches. And I remember one speech that he gave was, he asked the question, what is your life's blueprint? That was way back in the uh, 60s. You know, what is your life blueprint? Your perspective, basically. What is the core that is driving you? What is your, what is your North Star? What is the center of gravity in your life that's drawing all things through that single purpose so that your life has meaning? What is it? I remember when I was uh, studying uh, as a student way back at uh, University of Massachusetts, way back in the 70s. And I remember, I, I, the guys that were discipling us, we, I was involved with the Navigators, as some of you know, just as a student, discipled by them. But I remember being at one conference, and this is what one of the guys said, and it really stuck with me all these years. And they said, they challenged us, discipline yourself now to be that person you want to be in the future. In other words, the choices that you're making now will affect your future. And as we know, for Bible-believing Christians, the choices that we make now affect our eternity and potentially the eternity of others. How, how interested is God in this idea of perspective through understanding? Well, Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, as I look around in American society, you know, we live in a post-modern society, and you know, you basically can choose any narrative you want to live by. And I wonder, why do these people choose the narrative that they're living? You know, the narrative that we choose, that center of gravity that I just mentioned in our life, mentioned in our life has a huge impact on our life. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, I love this, and I learned this when I was a student at the University of Massachusetts as well. As well, it says, test everything. Hold on to the good, avoid every kind of evil. Now that's wise, that's all it has to do with understanding. And one of my favorites that I remember learning when I was a young student there as an undergraduate, 1 Corinthians 13, 18. And I think this is really apropos for the way the world is going these days. It says this, listen carefully. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become a fool so that you can become wise. There's a lot of voices out there. Which voices are we listening to? The final word I wanted to take a look at is attitude. Now, those of you that have known me for a long time, I moved to uh, California, San Jose in 1980 because I was training for the Olympic uh, decathlon. And I love the attitude of the other Olympians around me. Everybody's trying to, to make the grade. And we just had a very positive, no compromise, give it, every, give it our best attempt at everything that we do. That we do. That's why I love the, the, in, in Scripture, particularly in the New Testament, there are meta analogies or metaphors comparing the Christian life with running the race. 
And I love this one, again, because of my background in track and field. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says this, don't you know that in a race, everybody runs, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. I love this quote. Uh, I remember when I, well, I'm not gonna go with the quote in Tertullian, but basically when we, well, maybe I'll just quote it here. Tertullian, the church father in 197 AD, this shows his attitude of the early Christians. He says, we as Christians are but yesterday, and yet we have filled all the places that belong to you. And that was to the pagan Romans. The cities, islands, forts, towns, exchanges, and military camps themselves. Tribes, towns, councils, the palace, the senate, the marketplace. We have left you nothing but your temples. Now that's some attitude. I love that kind of attitude. You know, the, the symbol of the tribe of Judah is a lion. And I believe that's the way we should be as, as uh, we live the Christian life. It says in Proverbs, the, the, the wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as brave as a lion. When I went to a conference uh, in one of my final years at the University of Massachusetts, I remember being challenged. Again, this, this, this challenge that was given to me then has had a huge impact on my life. They said, you know, when you go to the beach, you see the sand dunes being blown, away, blown around by the wind and the waves. And they said, you know, when you live your Christian life, you have a choice. You can be the sand getting blown around, or you can be the wind, or you can be the waves that, that change the course of history. What kind of life do you want to live? Well, I've chosen to be the wind and the waves. So living with a sense of perspective is what God requires. But as you know, it takes courage and it takes discipline. The Bible talks a lot about self-control. And it takes courage to flow against the, uh, the current of society, whatever context it may be. But I believe if we live the Christian life by faith and live with a sense of perspective because of our attitude, our standing, and have a sense of proportion, we can live the victorious Christian life. God bless you and thank you for this opportunity.